Am I really doing this? Yep, I am bloody doing this. Strapping guys, it's gonna be chaos. It's me, Shannon, your new ADHD bestie. I am 28 years young and navigating my way through life after a late and very unexpected ADHD diagnosis. But after a bloody lot of healing and therapy, I can honestly say I'm now living my best ADHD life. Get yourself comfortable because I'm going to be sharing my story in the way I know best. So you better prepare yourself for tears, laughter and a whole lot of honesty. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome. We have finally made it. The Living My Best NDHD Life podcast is actually here. And I'm not going to lie, I don't know how it's here because I have recorded it so many times because I was just so concerned that everyone was literally going to be like, bloody hell, does she ever stop talking? She honestly chats so much shit. And then I thought, do you know what? No, we've got to be real. We've got to be honest. It's going to resonate with someone out there. So you may as well just crack on. And I've given myself the task to just record the whole podcast in one sitting and just roll with it, to be honest. (laughs) So that's what we're doing. We're running with it, okay? But yeah, whether you think you've got ADHD, are waiting for a diagnosis, or have already been diagnosed, like myself, this is going to be something you can relate to regardless. And for those of you that already follow me on social media, you'll know that I'm actually only 12 months into this process. So for me personally, I'm still learning a lot of new things about myself, about my ADHD, and ways to cope literally every day. But yeah, let's get into it. Episode one, my diagnosis story, because as I mentioned, finding out I had ADHD at 27 was definitely not expected. Good Lord. Okay, where do I even begin? Where the hell do I start? I am someone that has struggled with my mental health since my teenage years. Typically, I think as I'm female during school and growing up as a teenager and like a young adult, I was just told countless times that it was my attitude, my hormones, I was just anxious and that I'd grow out of it. And I think when you've got so many people around you and especially people that you look up to, like teachers, friends, family, I guess when they're repeatedly telling you these things about yourself, it does just stick with you. And you really do start to believe that this dialogue of yourself is correct and maybe I will just grow out of these behaviours. As I grew up and hit my early 20s, gosh, oh my gosh, that's actually so painful to say because I'm literally not 21 anymore, guys. (laughs) But yeah, as I hit my early 20s, I noticed that my moods and emotions were really up and down in quite like solid periods of times. Now, the lows I had were like extremely low and then the highs that I would have would be just like absolutely outrageous. And I'd find myself from like going from staying in bed all day, just sitting in my thoughts, being in quite a dark place, to then on the other side, being out all the time, life and soul of the party, like smashing life socially in my job personally. And I just found that there was no indicator for me as to when I was going to flip from these moods. And I also found that it wasn't over long periods of times. When I'm explaining it, I kept thinking to myself, and this is what I always thought in my early 20s, because, yeah, as I'm explaining it, I think it did always sound potentially like bipolar. And that's what I always thought about myself. But actually, the moods that I was having wouldn't be over long periods of months and months. It would be like over hours or days. 
So it would be one day I was okay or one morning I was okay and the next it would just completely flip and I just couldn't really regulate it. So, I mean, as you do, we all go to the GP and explain everything that's going through your head and how you're feeling and kind of got past the teenage stage issue where it wasn't so much that I was angry at the world anymore. I just couldn't kind of function with these emotions. And I was hoping that they would just give me some more understanding of myself and give me a bit of an idea as to potentially what was going on. But as they do, they tell you it's depression, you're prescribed with medication, given the option of talking therapies, and off you go, really. Like, obviously they put me on a list to have actual face-to-face therapy, but, you know, that list is... It's going to take forever, let's be honest. The NHS is completely overwhelmed and we all do take that talking therapies route because it is given to us, even though, oh, saying it louder for the people at the back and I'm sorry if this offends anyone, but it is absolutely trash. Now, I know I'm not talking on behalf of everyone there because talking therapies, I guess, did work for some people that I know. But for me, I never really felt like I got to know the person at the end of the phone. And at this stage... I did just put my trust in the doctor after, what, a five, ten minute consultation. They were medically trained. Why wouldn't I believe them? So I did go with the talking therapies. However, it wasn't something that I ever really benefited from. But anyway, off I went, diagnosed with depression. I felt like bloody Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh. (laughs) And I just, I shouldn't laugh about it, but I have to laugh now because I did just stay in this kind of glass, half-empty place and grey place for quite a long time, I was just fully accepting, yep, I've got depression, this is me now for the rest of my life. And I'd say for the next kind of eight to ten years, from that first time of going to the doctors and being told that I was depressed, yeah, I just accepted it, went on with my life. I kind of sat and stuck in that unknown place. And don't get me wrong, the low feeling wasn't always constant. Like I said before, I could function as an adult. I had a job, I had relationships, I had friends. But for me, it was the up and down of emotions that I could never regulate. And because these down periods weren't always completely down, they would be up and down and fluctuate quite a lot. I never really in myself accepted the diagnosis of depression. Alongside the depression symptoms I was showing, which I know a lot of people with or without ADHD have, But alongside that, I did have this like raging anxiety that I found actually got worse and displayed itself quite different in me as I got into my adult life. Bloody hell, what what a cracking start to my 20s I had, I must say. I sound like such a Debbie Downer, but I'm just being as honest and as real as possible because, yeah, it was tough growing up and the anxiety is something that really followed me from education into adult life, but really also caught me off guard. I think the anxiety was something that affected me in so many different ways. For example, through school, I would just be extremely frustrated, which often made me appear quite angry and overly emotional and distracted from the class because, you know, that's what the school report said. Distracting, (laughs) could try harder. Good Lord, I don't even know how I got my GCSEs. Well, I I did, but really I was just an anxious child when I was at school and when someone didn't understand me and I couldn't articulate the way that 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 made me feel, I would then just become so angry and upset. I couldn't keep up with the class 
and I didn't under understand things all of the time, which would also make me feel anxious because I would feel like I'm not smart enough, I'm not good enough, like I've got the brain power there to do it, but I just can't concentrate. And I think in moments like this, when I was back in school, I would have really benefited from taking a step out of the classroom, regulating myself. But obviously, yeah, not knowing that I had ADHD, I just thought, clearly, school is not for me. <laughs> school is rubbish. I don't want to be here. Bloody hell. Moving on through education, I did make it through college. And surprisingly enough, I did actually attempt uni. And I'm laughing about this now because when I tell my friends who have known me for years, they're like, you didn't go to uni. And I'm like, I know, I know I did, but I did drop out. So in all honesty, it was a disaster for me from beginning to end. And I'm not sure who the hell I thought I was attempting a degree in international development in Spanish because you had to do a language alongside this course. And like I said, I'm not a, I'm not a stupid person, which is why it annoyed me the most that I couldn't get through levels of education and I just couldn't concentrate or motivate myself in any of the lectures or with any of the essays. Now, this is the best story that I have to tell you because this is the moment I knew that education wasn't really for me. So obviously at uni, I was more than happy to like be out and about partying. That was just something that I did all the time because I found that it masked my anxiety quite a lot going out and drinking. So the first essay comes around. We are in our first term. And of course, the deadline's put in my diary well in advance like I had no reason to leave it last minute but that's what I like to do I'm so last minute and I remember staying up late that night before my deadline was due and doing my essay literally drinking Red Bulls like it was going out of fashion having about two hours sleep and finishing it in the morning and I rang my mum the morning of being like oh my god I've absolutely smashed it I've done it let me read this to you and her just being like, Shannon, why are you doing this in the morning and the night before? Why could you not organise yourself? I'm literally there like, do not worry, do not worry. Like, I'm going to smash it. It's fine. I just need to focus myself last minute. That's how I work. So I hand this essay in and I'm completely confident handing it in. It wasn't on time. And I get a call from my tutor like later on in the afternoon. She calls me and says, can you come into the office and speak with me? And I'm thinking, oh, perfect. I've absolutely smashed it. First essay. She just wants to tell me basically how bloody great I am. And <laughs> oh, how wrong. I was, and I don't know where I got the confidence from to think that she was going to say that, but she honestly sat me down and said, this is one of the, not worst, but this is one of the most difficult conversations I'm going to have because of the way in which you've written this essay and how wrong it is. And I don't want to say it's the worst essay I've read, but yeah, it, you really haven't got the right the right end of the stick here and I think you need to consider is this for you is education at this level for you because it's only going to get harder and I just sat there it felt like the whole world was falling down around me and I just knew I had that exact moment that I used to get through school and through college of you're not good enough you're never going to succeed in education you're never going to be able to take the next steps in your life and this is your depression again and yeah I took a step back I went to the university doctor who was also had a level of like psychiatry experience as well. He did a little bit of both. I had like a 30 minute conversation with him, you know, all the usual. How much do you drink? What are your emotions like? Tell me about your habits. And this was a couple of days after finding out that I pretty much wasn't fit for university. But yeah, he then decides to tell me that I am displaying the signs of a personality disorder. So at this point, I'm like 20. 21 and I'm thinking right am I depressed 
do I have a personality disorder? How am I actually going to get through life? Because all I want in life is to kind of grow up and succeed like every other person around me. But I'm not finding a way to do this. And it's becoming more and more hard the older I get. So uni was tough. I took a step back. Obviously, I did drop out after the second term. And then we lead into adult life, which is where I am now. Good Lord. <laughs> Going into adult life, obviously, I knew that I had the anxiety and the depression and this potential personality disorder. But to summarise the anxiety, I think it affected me the most in social situations. Like I said, I would drink quite a lot to come out of my shell. But actually getting out of the house, to be honest, and putting myself in new environments and new situations was always such a task for me. And that's where I noticed that socialising and generally functioning in normal life was so difficult. I would be so concerned about what I looked like, who I was meeting, where I was going, how I was going to get there, what would happen when I was out? Would I cry when I was there? Like, I'm an emotional wreck. Something can trigger me and it could just be too much. And even coming away from a night out social situation or just a new environment, I would then sit back in my own thoughts and overanalyze literally everything. Was I rude? Did I say that in a bad tone? Was I too much? Were people talking about me? Oh my God, what did I look like in that picture? And honestly, before I would go out, I would be changing my outfit about 20, 30 times. I mean, my friends that are listening to this, I know I still do this, but it's not so much in an anxious state. But I mean, yeah, it is still in an anxious state. Who am I kidding? But anyway, it seems like a small thing, but I put so much pressure on myself to look a certain way, to be a certain way, because I felt that if I became this kind of idyllic, idyllic version of myself or whatever the word is, that I wouldn't have so much, not heat, I'm trying to think of the word but I wouldn't have so much criticism that's the word I wouldn't have so much criticism coming my way which would allow me to be happier in myself but yeah it never really worked and feeling like you're not good enough for the people around you and that you don't look okay and that you can't really be your real like authentic self almost like masking your behaviors which is insane and it was just such a level of anxiety as I was in my 20s that honestly caused me such physical kind of discomfort as well it went from being like enraged and a kind of angry teenager to being physically not being able to leave the house, chest pains, couldn't breathe, panic attacks. And that's where I noticed that the anxiety, it wasn't growing, it wasn't developing, but it was just taking a new form in myself and I needed to figure out a way to deal with it. Fast forward to when I was 27 last year, which is so bloody painful to say because I am now in my late 20s. <laughs> but fast forward to being 27 last year, I was successful in my career. I was happy in my life, but I had this period of time that kind of came over me that I'm completely honest in, in saying because I want to be as honest as, as possible. But it was, yeah, it was one of the most extreme lows that I have ever had. And I ended up hospitalising myself. And at this point, I think I knew in my heart of hearts that I couldn't let whatever it was that was going on inside my head or inside me affect me anymore because it was going to get to the point where I couldn't progress my life in the way I wanted to and settle down and have kids and get married. So I had to take that step and... I knew that seeing a specialist was really going to be what helped me. So once I'd got myself out of hospital and got myself back on my feet, was back in work, I decided that I was going to go down the private route because obviously I've been going back and forth to the doctors over the last eight to 10 years. And every time they would either put me on a different antidepressant or just reinforce the fact that I was depressed and offer me different therapies. So I felt that it was necessary to actually go and see a psychiatrist. And I looked up psychiatrists in my area, private psychiatrist, obviously I was going to have to fund this myself, but 
I actually found a psychiatrist online that worked at a clinic not far from me. He worked there two days a week and the clinic that was down the road was a private mental health clinic. And strangely enough, because I do find it really hard with men that have been in my life or are in my life to open up, but strangely enough, he was a guy and I'm a little bit spiritual, I'm a bit hocus pocus and I shit you not. When I was looking through all of these people online, I was like, no, no, they're not going to understand me. They're not going to understand me. And then I just saw him and I just felt this kind of energy and like good vibration. And I just knew that was going to be the man that's going to help me. It sounds weird. It sounds like I'm smoking some crazy stuff, but honestly... (laughs) It just was a sign and it was the best thing I ever did. I went to my first appointment with him. I sat in the waiting room absolutely shitting myself because what was running through my head was, what am I going to do if I don't open up and I've just spent hundreds of pounds of this session? And what am I going to do on the other hand if I do open up and kind of find out all this new stuff about me that I'm not willing to deal with? So yeah, I went into the first session and no word of a lie, I was like the River Nile or the Atlantic Ocean. (laughs) It's a really bad analogy but what I'm trying to say is I was an open book I don't know how he did it I don't know how he asked me these questions and got to know me my family my behaviors what I like to do everything and obviously this was only the first session we did have about three or four sessions just me and him really getting to know a big picture of me but I have never been so open with anyone or a man in my life. So he really did change my life. We got to the, I think, third or fourth session of just me and him speaking and kind of unravelling these layers of my life. And he suggested ADHD to me. Instantly, I'm on the defence. No, I wasn't naughty in school. I'm a female. Like, it's that naughty boy kind of thing that people that can't concentrate in school have and they're disruptive and, and they're rude and they're this, that and that. And I am so honest in saying that I had this negative connotation of ADHD And there was no way in hell that I had it. But obviously, I was going to take his opinion on it. But I wanted to just kind of have some more time with him before I went down the route of potentially being diagnosed with something that I was adamant I didn't have. Because, you know, I like to be right in every part of my life. (laughs) And I am learning that I'm not always right, as tough as it is. But (laughs) I did some questionnaires, basically. I took some questionnaires back for me and some close members of my family. And we're filling them out, like answering It's all on me, basically. It's all about my behaviours, how I respond to things, my personalities. And I remember doing it on myself and trying to be as critical as I could, but also thinking in the back of my head, I don't want to sound like I've got ADHD, so maybe just say, like, medium or kind of on some of them. You know, when they go from a scale of, like, completely agree to completely disagree, I was like, yeah, I just kind of agree. And (laughs) I was trying to make it sound like, yeah, no, I don't think I have it. And then in comes mum, straight in honest as hell and everyone else that filled them out and it was just so clear that I had it for me hearing it from other people and going through my school reports because that's something else that he asked for it was a clear indicator for me that actually this is it's very likely that I do have it and maybe I just need to be a bit more open to it and educate myself in what it is I handed in the questionnaires to him and I gave him my school reports one from primary school one from secondary school the school reports were pretty much from beginning to end, could try harder, could do more, has so much potential, is an intelligent girl but talks too much, all the usual, can be distracting, like literally, all leading to signs that there was something else going on that I wasn't aware of. At this point, I was much more accepting, much more inviting to the diagnosis, and he suggested that I go and see a different psychiatrist at the same clinic who would do a two-hour assessment with me. 
at this point, it was going to be quite a big cost, but I knew in my heart of heart, after having this other session with him and seeing the forms and going through my school report, I knew it was right and I knew it would be worth the money. And I kind of did say to him, like, are you 99.9% sure? Because, I mean, I'm not some millionaire that can afford to spend this much money. And when he literally looked at me and was like, look, I wouldn't tell you to get an ADHD diagnosis unless I thought you had it. He looked at me, said that, and I was, I was all for it. Two, three weeks later, I went back to the clinic with a different psychiatrist to what I'm thinking is going to be a little sit-down chat, a nice little get-to-know-me session. Oh, how wrong I was. I was so bloody wrong. This was like an intense mind exam. <laughs> That's the only way I can actually explain it. So to put it in perspective, in the diagnosis that I had to find out if I had ADHD or not, they monitored or looked into, as I should say, four areas of my brain. And this was all done through tasks. So some of it was like physical shapes that I would put into a form to kind of build another shape. Some was number-based, where I would literally be spotting numbers in a certain order, repeating them back in a certain order, writing them in a certain way. It was a lot of sequencing with the numbers. And then also on the, I guess you could say English side, she asked me a lot of questions about certain words, how they made me feel, what I thought they meant. And it was actually like a real mind training moment where I realised a lot about myself. I noticed how impatient I was. I noticed how when I didn't write things down and she just spoke to me, I couldn't process the information, I couldn't remember it. And I noticed how, because everything was timed, my mind would just go absolutely blank. And I couldn't do it because I wasn't putting the pressure on myself to complete the task. Someone else was doing it. And I hated that. It was definitely intense getting the diagnosis or just going through that appointment. We did have some back and forth at the end where we just spoke about me a little bit. But about three weeks later, I got the bloody like 16 page diagnosis. And yeah, it said I had ADHD, obviously, because we're here now living our best ADHD life. <laughs> but... Yeah, it was great because it explained it for me in such detailed terms. Don't get me wrong, I, I read that diagnosis and half it went over my head. But when I actually went back and just picked out some key points, which allowed me to understand myself better, I did get it, I had it, and that was me. I was diagnosed clinically with ADHD and an anxiety disorder, but no depression. So at the moment, to summarise my experience, I was on ADHD medication, I'm now not on them because I am, what am I doing? I'm losing my words is what I'm doing. I'm not on ADHD medication at the moment because there has been a shortage. So I'm going to do another episode on that and the supplements I'm taking. But on the other hand, I am now weaning off of the medication that I have been on for 10 years because it actually is having a negative impact on my ADHD. And because I don't have depression, shock horror. <laughs> I mean... I know I keep laughing about it and I'm trying to keep a lighthearted tone to everything, but in order to share my diagnosis story as the first episode, I'm trying to allow people to see that if they think they may have ADHD or if they are waiting for a diagnosis, that this is normal emotions to go through. And if you didn't know in your childhood years and you are finding out late in life, like it's so normal to go through those depressed episodes, anxious episodes and feel the way that you felt growing up, not knowing who you were, kind of glass half empty because really we didn't know who we were. And now I'm like, God, I feel like my life would have been so different if I'd have known. But at the same time, we're here, we're living our best life now 
and we're happy. Thanks for listening. That was my ADHD diagnosis story. But if you don't already, follow me on socials. I'm on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube. You name it, I am there. And I'll see you next week for episode two. Over and out.